Thanks for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to hear about how God is using Adventure Church to speak and work in your life. If you've got a story you'd like to share, please do so on adventurechurch.tv slash mystory. Also, if you'd like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. Today we're going to be talking about uh, reconciliation. And the worst lie you can tell yourself when it comes to family is, I don't care. When it comes to your family, someone in your family, a relationship in your family, it's the worst lie that you can tell yourself or believe is that you just don't care. Like, well, I don't have a relationship with my dad anymore. We had a falling out, and I, I just don't care anymore. I'm, I'm done with it. Or maybe it's your parents in general. They didn't approve of some decisions you made a long time ago, and so there's been this divide or this strain. Maybe it was a, your, your marriage where there was this, this ugly fallout, and, and, and I'm just done. I don't care. Maybe you're you're in the middle of, of your marriage right now, it's, it's struggling, and, and you've gotten to this place where you're like, I'm, I'm just done with it. I don't care. Or maybe your parents didn't approve of you and still don't, and, and you're struggling with that. Or maybe it's your kids, and you said, I've done everything I can do to try to make this relationship with my kids work and try to make this happen, and no matter what I've t- tried, it's just not working, and, I, and I'm done with it. I just don't care anymore. And when it comes to the octagon, the family octagon, you're saying, I'm not even getting in the ring with them. I don't want to fight. And you've been saying, like, tapping out is not an option. Well, I tapped out a while ago. And I'm not tapping back in. I'm done. It's over. And we we believe this lie that, that I just don't care anymore. And the reality is, is that deep down, you do care especially when it comes to our parents, that we've been wired in a way that you were born with this desire to care what your parents think. You were born with this desire to say, I want the approval of my dad. I want the approval of my mom. And you can run all you want. You can run from the relationship, you can run from the brokenness, and you can run for years in another direction. But it's like there's this bungee cord that's attached to your back. And it just takes one thing, one memory, one, one thing to happen where it just pulls you right back to that moment where you go, it still hurts. I can tell myself I don't care. I can tell myself I'm over it. But the reality is, is that it still hurts. And all those emotions can come flooding back in just an instant. And so today, as we dive into this, the first thing I want you to realize is this, is that when it comes to family... We were created to care. You were born with a desire to care about your father, about your mom, about your siblings. There was something in you, the way God wired us to where we we do care. And and we have to quit telling ourselves that we don't. And we have to take steps towards making sure that we do our part in this thing called reconciliation. You know, as I think about my life and in my relationship with my family and you know just a few weeks ago I uh upgraded my little Mazda 6 that was Mazda 6 it was a Mazda 3 that was uh 2006 Mazda 3 it was 10 years old it was getting up there in mileage and it just I couldn't fit the kids in my car 
And so I would always use that as an excuse that I couldn't take them wherever they needed to go and that I just would have to use the van. And so, I, hey, babe, you know, it just doesn't fit. Try to switch those seats. You know, I got to drive on top like this. You know, it's dangerous. So I just, you know, I can't do that. So we finally, I upgraded to a bigger car that I can fit the kids in. And so as I was going to get a car, the, I, I do what I always do when it comes to big decisions is I called my dad. And I said, hey, dad, you know, I'm looking at his cars. And so my dad goes with me to the dealership. He had some relationships with some people there. And so the guys, you know, were dealing. You know what I mean? That's what we do. You know, you're dealing back and forth. And, you know, the guy's going, all right, you know, hey, this is the, you know, some deals we can do. This is where we're at. He's like, what do you think about it? And I just looked at my dad. I'm like, I don't know. What do you think, man? You think we should, you know? And he's like, oh, I'm like, ah. he's like, ah, I think we should, we'll, we'll just hold off, you know? And they back and forth, back and forth. And, and, and finally, we, we came to an agreement that my dad was happy with. And I was like, yeah, I'm happy too, man. This is, this is Bob, you know, we'll, we'll do the deal. And as a 35-year-old, I still call my dad and ask him, his opinion on big decisions, big purchases, big things happening. Hey, what do you think? What would you do? Would you help me? And no matter how old I get, I'm always going to do that. It doesn't mean I always agree with his answers, that I'm a man now and I have my own family, I have my own way. So there's times where we don't always agree. But regardless is, is there's still something in me that goes, I want to know what my dad thinks. I want to know what my mom thinks. Let's talk to him about it. We were created with this desire to care. And today I want to talk to you about something that's not so light and fun as Buckeye Day, but it just so happened this is where we're falling in our series about reconciling that relationship with a family member, or maybe it's not a family member, maybe it was a friendship that was like family to you, that you said we were, that I was closer with this person than my brother or my sister, I considered them to be part of my family and something happened. That, that relationship was broken, that I'm going to challenge you through Scripture and what God's Word tells us about your part in reconciling that relationship. And again, you're saying, well, I, God, look, you don't know me, you don't know the situation, I'm telling you, I'm done. I just don't care anymore. And what I'm going to tell you today is that Scripture instructs us that as Christ's followers, you don't have the option not to care. One, you do care, so quit lying to yourself. Two, Scripture tells you that you have to care, that you can't toss away any relationship. And today we're going to look at this passage that explains to us why we have to, me and you, have to be the ones to reconcile a relationship. And this idea of, that we find in Scripture is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's where we're going to be today. I encourage you, uh, if you have a Bible app or better yet, even the Adventure Church app, you can open that up. We have a section in there where you can follow along where the scriptures will be up here, but they'll be in your phone as well, and you can take notes on today's message. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we find this main idea today that tells me and you as Christ followers, and look, if you're here and you're like, look, I don't know that I'm a Christ follower yet. I'm still checking this whole thing out. I would say that's okay. That's fine. You know, allow that journey to happen. We're not pressuring into that. But for, the, for most of us who have accepted Christ and are following after him, Paul is writing to a church, and he tells them that Christ's love compels you to reconcile. It compels you to reconcile. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 it said, for Christ's love compels us, 
And that word compels right there in another translation in the Greek actually means to constrain, okay? So it doesn't just push you, it actually ties you to this obligation. It leaves us with no other choice or alternative that Christ's love compels us because we are convinced as believers that one died for all. Jesus died for us. He died for everyone. And therefore, all have died with him. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Pretty simple theology here. One person, Jesus, the Son of God, came and lived and died in in, in my place and in your place. On the cross, he took our sin, our issues, and died for them so that we could be in relationship with God. This whole series, we've talked about what's the ideal and what's real, and the gap between those two things is Jesus. He bridged the gap. His grace is what enables us to pursue the ideal and fall short over and over and over again and still be right with God, right? So he's saying, so because he died... And we're convinced of this, you and me, we died with him. That we died to our way of life. That Jesus did something very uncomfortable for you, very sacrificial for you, and he says, so now you have to do it for him. We died to ourselves. We died to our rights. We died to our ways. And we no longer live for us. We live for him. Our lives now have new meaning and purpose once we find Jesus. In verse 16, he says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. You see, when it comes to family, a lot of times, I want to respond and regard them in a worldly point of view, where the world says, you know what? They did wrong to you. Who cares? Be done with it. You don't have to care that you didn't do anything wrong. It was their fault. You can get, be done. Be done. And he's saying, look, well, the world regards people this way, but since we have died to ourselves and are living for God, from now on, we don't regard anyone in a worldly point of view. It was their fault. It's not my fault. What are you talking about? Reconciling. I, ain't doing, I didn't do anything in the first place. Why would I have to do anything? He's saying, because that's not how it works anymore. Verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. It's now. The new way begins now. And we love this when it comes to God forgiving our past, right? Ooh, I love that. That sounds really good. Every day, I can preach that every week, right? You are new in God. All that stuff you did in college, he doesn't hold it against you anymore. The way you treated that person doesn't matter. You can come into this place, and because of what Jesus did, not because of you or anything you've done, or because you deserve it, but because of what Jesus did, God accepts you just as you are. And you are new in him. And he wipes your past away and gives you a new hope and a new future that you are literally, the Bible says, reborn. You have a new life in God. And that's awesome. That's the message of the gospel. That's why we're here. That's why our church exists, is to tell people, you can have a new life in Christ and it can change you can change everything and we love that part but he says when you become new the old has to go somewhere sure you're forgiven but you need to begin to change and so the new has come there's a new perspective on the way you view the world there's a new outlook that you have that i no longer live for me i live for him 
I live according to what he wants for me. So my life is different. There's a new way of thinking. There's a new way of loving one another. There's a new way of forgiveness. And there's a new way of reconciliation, of how we relate to our family. It goes on in verse 18, and he says, And all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus. Reconciled simply means this, is to take two things that are not compatible and to bring them together. That's what it means. The best illustration I could think of for this Buckeye Day was Ohio State and Michigan, (laughs) right? Have you guys ever seen the commercial that the guy and the girl, the girl's a Michigan fan, the guy's a Buckeye fan, they don't realize it at first, they're set up on a blind date, they're in the car, the awkward conversation is actually starting to turn around, and she's asking what he does, and oh, I'm actually interested in that, I like what you, yeah, I'm a vet, I love animals, wow, this is actually going pretty well. He's like, so where are you from? She's like, Michigan, go blue. And he literally bails out of a moving car, (laughs) rolls down the hill, and she slams on the brake and pulls over and is like staring, and he yells, go Buckeyes! And she just peels out of there. That you, like, right, like the idea of a Michigan fan marrying, becoming one with a Buckeye fan The Bible says a house divided against itself will not stand, right? (laughs) It's the first question I ask people in premarital counseling. What team do you root for? What about you? Oh, this isn't going to work. We might as well just stop. (laughs) It's like those are irreconcilable differences. It's not going to work, right? The two things are not compatible come together. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying, that was you. You, because of your sin, because of all of your issues, inside of a holy God, the Bible says your best days are still like filthy rags, that we were unable to have right relationship with God. That's what reconciliation means, that he, we are now able to be in relationship with God. We are looked at as God is saying, now I can accept you. And he's saying, that is what Jesus did for you. We were at odds with God. There was this gap that didn't seem like anything could bridge the gap where these two things could actually come together. And you see, it was, it was us. It was our sin. It was our issues. We were the ones that caused the gap. It wasn't God. It was us. It was our sin. It was our issues. And that even though we caused the problem, that God pursued us with his love through his son Jesus, that he pursued you and I. And because of that, because of his death, because of his resurrection, because of that moment, because of his love, we are now viewed as being right with God, reconciled to him. So through Christ, he said, God removed every obstacle to reconciling with us except us. Every obstacle, besides you and me, because he gives us free will, we still got to choose him, but everything else has been taken care of. So in other words, he set the table, he opened the door, and he sent the invitation. I did my part. Now you want it, you can have it, but you have to accept. You have to live according to my ways. It's free. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. 
It's a free gift, the Bible says salvation is, but you have to accept it. The only obstacle to you being reconciled to God is you. It's already been done. Every week we extend that invitation. That's what we try to do. We prepare the table. We open the doors. And then we say, God loves you. You can be right with God. It's amazing. He doesn't hold anything against you. Every obstacle, everything you've ever done, every thought you've ever had, he died for it. It's free. And we extend that invitation. And hundreds of people have accepted that invitation. So the only obstacle between us and God now is, is just us. It's our free will, choosing him. The only obstacle keeping you from reconciliation with that I don't care, I'm done with it person is you. You're the only one. You're the only obstacle. Think about all the times that you ran from God, all the times you turned your back on him, went against his will and his ways. God, through his son Jesus, removed everything. So that when you decided, again, he set the table, he did his part, he extended an invitation, so that when you were ready, you could turn to God without hesitation, without anything holding you back. And so, when we think about this in context of our lives, again, we love that. But then he goes on when it comes to reconciling relationships in our lives. You see, when it comes to family, we want people to meet us halfway. You take a step towards me, then I'll take a step towards you. But until then, I'm done. I don't care. You have to move in my direction, and then I will move in your direction. But Christ moved in our direction when we were moving in the opposite direction. When we were running from him, his love pursued us and chased us down so that whenever we stopped and turned to him, he was right there. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. And so you go, what do you mean the only obstacle between my reconciliation with someone is, is only me? There's, it takes two to, to tango here, Kyle. They, there's a part that they play too, and we're going to talk about that. But as Christ followers, in view of what he's done for us, we have the responsibility to reconcile broken relationships. It's your responsibility. And I'll explain why. Second Corinthians, he goes on. So again, he's explaining this beautiful picture of grace and love and reconciliation between a holy God and sinful people that we can be in right relationship. And he said, you have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And then he goes on, 18b. And he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. So what it's saying is, is now that you've received this message, you have been armed and prepared with the gospel. And we love that when we think about reaching our neighbors. We encourage you to invite people and to share what God has done in your life so that others can experience that. And we love that. Yes, God has given me. It goes on to say that you are Christ's ambassador, that you represent him to this world that you live in, that there's people all around you that are in desperate need to encounter a living God so that he can change them, that he can reconcile them. And we have this message where we can go out and say, because of Jesus, no matter 
matter what you've done, you can be reconciled to God. You can be made right with the one who created you, and he will forgive you of your past and give you a future, and it's awesome, and it's full of life. Is it going to be easy all the time? No, but Jesus says he will walk with you, and it's amazing, and he will give you a feeling of fulfillment that you can't get anywhere else. He's saying you've been armed with this message. And we can go into the streets and we can tell people we don't know. And we go, yes, all around the world, we should be proclaiming this good news. But when it comes to my family, I don't know. You see, the reason that you can be reconciled to God is in spite of your sin. In spite of your sin. Reconciliation is in spite of, not because of. You see, we have to pursue reconciliation in spite of what they did. That's what reconciliation is. In spite of the hurt, in spite of the pain, in spite of what they've said, in spite of what they've caused, not because they deserve it, but because that's what Christ did for you and for me. And he's now given us this ministry of reconciliation. And we have this awesome message that people can be right with God. And if we're not careful, our message is you can be reconciled to God in spite of your sin, but you can't be reconciled to me because of your sin. So what we say when we say that is, my standards, they're higher than God's. God may forgive you, I'm not ever going to forget what you did. I'm not ever going to try to make things right with you. Essentially what we're doing is we're elevating ourselves higher than God. And God goes, wait a second, you're, you're my representative. And the Bible is very clear that the amount of grace that we extend towards other people and forgiveness that we extend towards other people is the amount that God can extend to you and me. And I don't know about you, but he's extended a lot to me. A lot. Continually, every day, the Bible says that mercy and that grace is new for you and for me. And he extends that. He continually extends that. And yet we think somehow we have the right to restrict it. Told you today wasn't going to be fun. See, when you became a follower of Jesus, he said you died to yourself. One died for all, and now all have died. You died to what you wanted. You died to hold on to your, I don't care. You died to hold on to you. It wasn't my fault. You don't know what they did. We died to that. Jesus said yes to you so that you could say yes to him. And that's what he calls his followers to do. Listen, a lot of times I preach from a place not that I've perfected, okay? And this week as I was going through this scripture and putting this message together, God began to convict me of a relationship in my own life. And I had extended grace before. And I tried to make things right. I'm a pastor. I have to, right? And it wasn't received very well. 
And so I just said, hey, God, I did my part. I did my part. Ball's in their court. I'm done. I don't care anymore. And I can continue to hold on to that. And I was doing that. I, I, was, I was literally having this conversation with God. And I said, I don't have to do anything anymore. And I was thinking, like, well, what is the final moment? When can I finally give up on this relationship? God said, when am I going to give up on you? You can give up on Jesus when he gives up on you. The answer to that question is never. Never. God did in spite of me. Now I have to do in spite of him. So I'm going to challenge you with something that I already did this week when it comes to these type of relationships in my life. For that person that you've said, I just don't care. What is your part? What do you need to do? Because he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. You need to initiate and invite. That's it. The same thing Jesus did for you. Set the table. Open the door. Send an invitation. And I already know the objections because I already have them. You say, well, Kyle, look, look. It's just too complicated. It's just too complicated. What we have to realize is, is that Reconciliation isn't about working through just issues and conversations and trying to work it all out. Reconciliation is just extending an invitation and reaching out. You don't even have to talk about the past issues. It's not about dealing with the past. So you go, so we just ignore it all? Pretend like it never happened? Maybe. That's what you have to do. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you in spite of what you did, are doing, and will continue to do. He died in spite of, not because of, in spite of. So that example that he gave eliminates every excuse that I could ever give to him. Every excuse is eliminated. And so you have to go into it with a mindset. It's not about Revolving, resolving the conflict, it's about restoring the relationship. You see, when you come to God, it's just, he takes you. He doesn't go, oh, okay, great, great. You want me? You want to follow me? Sweet. All right. We need to go back to summer of 93. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. We need to talk about this first. Before we can move forward, We need to talk about this. He doesn't do that, right? He says, just come. We're going to have to deal with some of your past because it's about you, and we want to get you where you need to be. We need to work through some of that, but it's okay. We're going to do it together. I'm more concerned about the future than I am the past. Brighter days are still yet to come. They're they're ahead of you, so let's let's not dwell on that, but we do that when it comes to reconciling relationships. We go, all right, I'll reconcile, and as soon as we sit down, we go, You need to admit that what you did was wrong. You need to admit this was your fault. We need to go back. You need to to own up. You need to admit that God goes, no, that's not reconciliation. Another objection. Well, if I reconcile with them, 
it's going to look like I'm condoning what they did. It's going to look like I'm condoning their behavior. If I reconcile with my dad and I go hang out with him in his new relationship, you know what my mom's going to think? I'm not going to condone what he did. He was wrong. What are people going to think? What are people going to say when they see me trying to establish? What are my other family members going to think? I don't want them to to think I'm condoning this. And I'd say, it might happen, but here's the coolest thing. If they do, you're going to look more like Jesus than ever before. Because that's what they did to him. Look at Jesus hanging out with those sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. And they whispered about him. And he said, I didn't come to condemn the world, I came to save the world. So it's okay. You go, well, look, Kyle, it's all good. Pretty compelling sermon today. But it's just not going to work. It's not going to work. You don't know them. You don't know what's happened. It's just not going to work. And I'll say this. Maybe it won't. Maybe it won't work, but it will work in you. And God isn't concerned about them. He's concerned about you. Well, what about me? If there's someone and there's that much hurt and you don't think it's going to work, do you not think that that's affecting you in some way? Do you not think that God maybe wants to heal you so you stop lashing out at other people? You stop blaming other people? Can all these series go together? Do you think maybe that's the root of some of the issues that you have that you've been running for a long time? And it just takes one comment from your spouse and you're back in that time. You begin to lash out. You begin to react. Maybe it won't work. Maybe this attempt at reconciliation won't work. But I will say this. It always works in someone. And it just might be it's only you. And that's okay. And that's okay. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation as we close today. I know this isn't fun. I had people coming up to me afterwards going, oh, you had to say that, didn't you? I, did that. I said, yeah, that's, that's where I was this week too. I didn't want to send a text message. I didn't want to send an invitation. But he did it for me. Who am I not to do it for someone else? So who in your family are you tempted to just say, I don't care. I'm done. It's over. One, don't believe the lie. You do care. You do care. You were created to. And his love compels us, constrains us, ties us to the obligation. There's no other choice. There's no other way to figure it out, to work it out. That we have been given this message of reconciliation and we have to be careful that our life never says that you can be reconciled to God, but not to me. So who do you have to set the table for? Open the door to your heart, to the hurt, to the pain, 
and send the invitation to do everything within your power just in case they ever respond because that's what Jesus did for you. Jesus died for the very ones who were spitting in his face, who were mocking him and were beating him. And he died for everyone else, knowing that some would choose to deny him. He took a chance on me. He died in my place and then left me the choice on whether or not I would make good on my end of the deal. Praise God and thank God I did at 14. He changed me. So who am I to not extend that same grace and love and mercy to someone else? Today, all I'm asking for you is to take the first step. Maybe preparing the table is going to be challenging. Before you can send the invitation, it's going to take some time just to, to get yourself to that place. But today, I would say take the first step of reconciling the broken relationship. Maybe it won't work, but it will work in you. Let God begin to heal you. Let God begin to change you. And maybe, just maybe, by His grace, by His strength and His power, that that relationship that you thought could never, ever be made right would be changed. But it takes me and you being willing to do that.